Secret Smithsonian, there's an exhibit about Mr. Rogers' sweater. Mr. Rogers' freaking sweater. And then my <laughs> laughter, like, whoa, whoa. Welcome, everyone, to the Driving Vision Podcast brought to you by the Ziegler Auto Group. I'm your host, Sam Dark, and here with me, Auto Group Director of Talent Development, Mike Van Ryan. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks, Sam. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, like it if you do, and leave a comment. So, Mike, today's episode of the Driving Vision Podcast realizes an idea born way back on episode eight with you, Bill Staten. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thank you. Where you reminded us the important, Bill, of innovation and connecting the dots, and that innovation and connection led you to our guest today. Bill Staten, will you introduce our guest today? I would be pleased and proud to introduce our guest today, a friend of mine who I've known well before any of you knew him, my namesake, Mr. Bill Nye. First met him, he was a writer, a mere wow. writer on a TV show that I produced in Seattle, Washington called Almost Live. And um, he bailed us out one day when a guest canceled out the last minute and uh, we were looking for a solution and couldn't find one. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Nye said, if we can get some liquid nitrogen, maybe I can help. And I was like, that's the stupidest <laughs> idea I ever heard. And an icon was born out of desperation. You were born out of desperation, Mr. Nye. How are yeah. you, man? Yeah, it's good to see you all or be heard by you all. Yes, uh, these are not false facts that you're presenting. <laughs> so, so what happened was I had a very good physics teacher in high school. He encouraged me to take the physics AP exam, advanced placement, when it was this new thing, like, woo. And then he also encouraged me to take to apply to Cornell University. And through an error in the admissions department, an oversight or something, the phone rang, I got in. Then, yeah, although I did very poorly in several courses, I got out. And on the way out, I had took one class from Carl Sagan, this famous guy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He talked about the importance of science education and all this stuff. So when I, I got a job at Boeing in Seattle, Washington, actually, and if you're scoring along with us in um, Everett, Washington. 747s. 747 is a fantastic airplane. I work for a cool couple of peep guys. They built them about three miles from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, so I was a young guy in a new town. I was United Way Big Brother for a while, and I was also a volunteer at the Pacific Science Center, which was built in 1962 for the World's Fair in Seattle. <laughs> and so what I would do on Saturdays, mostly Saturdays, sometimes on, sometimes on Sunday, is break stuff with kids and pour liquid nitrogen around. And so it was fun for me. But then along the way, like a very few other people in Seattle, really, I won the Steve Martin lookalike contest. I did not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unmistakable, really. Congratulations. I think it was good for the competition for Warner Brothers Records, ultimately. But the guy who won, speaking of ultimately, was from Nashville. He played the banjo. He's like the real deal. I'm sure that's what kicked it in for him. So I started submitting jokes to this show that Bill was producing. And then one week, the story varies, whether it was Geraldo Rivera or... Rita Jenrette, who was this wife of a Congress. Oh, no, it wasn't her because she actually was on the show once. Yeah. Oh, 
But didn't she delay or something? I don't remember. In my recollection, it was Johnny Depp. Now, you, in, in this, <laughs> this fine book, you say it was Eddie Vedder. It, it almost doesn't matter who it was, although I will say I'm the only guy who was actually on the phone with the guy. So, <laughs> But it doesn't matter. No, no, the fact is we were, uh, you know, we were stuck. It was the day of the show. It was the day of the show, and we were stuck. I did the household uses of liquid nitrogen because we've all got liquid nitrogen around. Of course. Yeah. And this stuff is very cold. In Fahrenheit, it's minus 320. In regular units, it's minus 196 Celsius. I made the celery limp in my oven for right. a few moments. And then you, got, you put the celery in the liquid nitrogen. It gets quite um, Careful. stiff, uh, rigid. <laughs> and this is where it goes downhill. The other cool thing that is really effective is you put an onion in it for long enough and the layers in the onion interact when you strike them with let's say a kitchen knife so that it sounds like shattering glass it's very right. very nice effect but that wasn't the kicker the kicker no, is what no. finally sold me because i was i was resisting this whole idea at first but then sure. you, you told us about the kicker well so then the thing that you do with the young people on weekends is you put marshmallows in the liquid nitrogen then you use the verb roast which would be a poetic use of that verb and you chew them and with practice and i had practice quite a bit you wiggle your jaw you kind of move your upper jaw and steam comes out of your nose which is pretty yeah. good <laughs> As the steam extends, I mean, this is not hyperbole. It certainly goes below your bow tie coming out of your well, your, your bow tie. Yeah. Um. So, uh, incidentally, for you students, I was not wearing a bow tie at that time. Not at that time, but you did have safety glasses. Always safety glasses. I still have those. American Optical. They're, they're yeah, classic. There they're, we go. Had that ever been done on television before then? Ever? Oh, it certainly should have been. I imagine uh, I haven't... <laughs> checked his catalog but imagine science bob bob flugfelder who's an acquaintance of mine he must mm -hmm. have done it but that aside those yeah. safety glasses are in the smithsonian are they i read that wow yeah. did you accidentally leave them there one time or something uh no i was encouraged to leave them well here's the thing though i mean, I mean sam you asked about connecting the dots and seeing other options this was one of the things where i you know shame on me i didn't see the option because again bill i don't know if you remember this but to my shame i was like shut up bill we're trying to find a guest to interview and <laughs> you had to keep kind of selling it you and then and then ross was like oh no no we can do this and all of a sudden i you know my teeny brain started to see a bigger picture and see that oh there's an idea outside of my preconception of what it was the key was yeah. ross i mean ross schaefer whatever you guys out there in the world you may have crossed paths with him he hosted some game shows you may have hired him to speak at your uh, corporate event. If you want six seconds and a punchline, Ross Schaefer can write jokes or punch word. Ross Schaefer can write jokes, man. He can write jokes. He is really good. You've got a master class. Yes. As does Steve Martin, your lookalike, have a master class. There was one particular quotation I thought was kind of apropos that you said, when the unexpected happens, that's an opportunity for learning, which I love because the whole thing is like when our guest canceled on us, that was something unexpected. And it took me a while to figure out that it was an opportunity for learning. But it was all of a sudden, basically what you mean is it just presents other options if you're open to those options. And you were that option and an icon was born. Yeah. So Ross just under his breath, you could be Bill Nye, the science guy or something. And then he right. closes the briefcase and goes <laughs> running out of the room. 
He was also the host of the most popular evening drive radio show in Seattle at that time. Yeah, he was quite right. a Seattle. What a pain that was, too, because we had to get all his shooting done in the morning because then he had to go to KJR. So that station, everybody, that station is so old. How old is it? It's so old. It's, yeah, so I was going to say that. How old is it? <laughs> only got three call letters. KJR. That's it. KJR. You don't need a fourth call. It's, a fourth. it's, been, it's been there it's so crazy. long. If you look back at that moment, Bill Nye, and you think about that opportunity you had to go on that show back then, how would it have been different were it not for that opportunity where others connected the dots and created that? Like, would your world have been different? And would the world at large have been different? Science, for that matter. I'll just uh, argue that there are no big breaks. They're just breaks. And so maybe if that hadn't happened, I would have come up with something or somebody else would have come up with something and we would have stumbled forward. But when the opportunity did present itself, one must be ready. And I had chewed so many marshmallows frozen in so much liquid <laughs> that this was that the technical part of it was uh, solid. You know, I'm not a magician, but magicians talk about getting the technical part down. It was cool, you guys. It was cool. Then there's other times when things didn't go so well. I, I got to feeling Bill Stanton has told you about those. <laughs> we were working on such a low budget this time. Like I wanted to buy an oil drum, a re a used oil drum for $30. $30 in 1989 dollars. You know, yeah. Which, oh my goodness, that's like $90. And then Bill Stanton lit me up one day because I was spending all this money on props. Because I became a mechanical engineer because I like objects. My friends half, not half, completely jokingly, call me Bill Nye, shiny object man. <laughs> and so I like objects. So we had what comedians derisively refer to as prop bits. Right. We had a lot of prop bits. And I often was charged with making the props. And I developed a very good relationship with this carpenter who worked in the building. And this is the old days, you guys. So Seattle is the 13th television market, but it's still a pretty big market yeah. when there are only three television stations and sort of maybe two UHF stations, uh, a public broadcasting and a uh, independent, maybe sort of for those people who happen to have the antenna. Anyway, yeah. uh, in those days, the building had two full-time carpenters that would build sets and paint things and get stuff done. And so I had a very good relationship with this guy, Bob DeShano and Larry, his buddies. Uh, Larry, uh, Larry, that's right. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I was making stuff all the time. And more than once, Bill Stanton said, well, you're spending all this money. You <laughs> <laughs> spend $30. That's it's funny. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Bill, as a former elementary educator, a science teacher, and a principal, I got to tell you, man, you had the longest running educational TV show in the country. Congratulations. And I'll tell you what, science rules, man. We loved you. And uh, you were an integral part of our kids' education and so many lives out there across the world. Well, thank you. Put my heart and soul in it. So Seattle, you know, at that time, the show that Bill Stanton and I worked on was part of this coming of age of Seattle, yeah. you know, Starbucks. Then everybody heard about Nordstrom, not just Seattleites, but more importantly, I guess, for cultural reasons, was Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Pearl the Jam band Mud Honey, yeah. uh, all these bands. And the host of the show, after Ross, John Keister, knows all these guys. He he knows them all personally. And we were, well, the Seattle Mariners beat the New York Yankees in a playoff. And uh, 
Seattle was coming of age and this show was, the Science Guy show was part of it, as Almost Live was. And you guys all know, um, well, maybe you never saw it. You all know Joel McHale. He came from the show, for example. He was my intern. Yeah. What I'm driving at is we were able to hire a bunch of young people who were just go-getters. And Joel McHale would be one of them. I mean, just people that just wanted to do something cool. And so Almost Live won how many local Emmys, Bill Stanton? Over a hundred collectively. Over a hundred. And I'm still very, very proud of my first so-called local Emmy, uh, which was about liquid nitrogen. Was that your first Emmy? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like, what what am I doing here? Yeah. Wow. What do I wear? Oh, my God. I would have thought maybe it would have been for, uh, I don't know, (laughs) Bill Nye is William Shatner or something like that. That was much later, of course. That was an amazing (laughs) bit. That was a good bit. Bill, what was one of your most memorable episodes that you shot for the kids? Bill Nye, the science guy. Every show has something in it that I think is cool. Yeah. Getting a ride in the Blue Angels, the Air Force, I mean, the Chi Whiz, the U.S. Navy. I just got, I'm going to get a lawsuit. The U.S. Navy, uh, <laughs> that was really cool. We did six different bits in those 41 minutes. Uh, that was cool. Wow. But equally cool was having a classroom globe with little solar panels on it. And yep. when you tipped the northern hemisphere toward the bright light. The motor in the northern hemisphere would spin faster. And then when you tip the southern hemisphere toward, then the northern hemisphere would slow down and the southern hemisphere would speed up. And I just loved that bit. It was just like, that's why we have seasons, man, is the earth's tilt. Yeah, That's really neat. I, I got to tell you, my personal favorite was uh, Simple Machines oh, really? with catapults. And our classroom, we made Simple Machines, and we had a contest on which ones could launch the farthest. So I'm all for deciding there are three types of Simple Machines, the wheel and axle. But just that what you're able to do is have a relationship between force and distance. That's what I want people to get out of that show. You make a longer lever, you move it a longer distance to produce more force on the other end. Back to you, Bill. Well, there's two things about your show that I want to point out. First of all, I still get residual checks because I was on your show a few times. It's now down to eight cents a year. Eight cents a year. (laughs) Which, by the way, Bill Nye uh, has put me into a higher tax bracket. So, you know, you and I need to talk about it. Are we on video? We are. Yes. We are. Oh, that's wow. Even you? Wow. (laughs) uh, From the show numbers, it's a residual for one penny. You see, kid? One penny. Mike, I don't know if you know this either, but Bill Nye, I love this because when you started Bill Nye, the Science Guy show, you know, the big time, your goal for the show, your stated goal, and it was up on a piece of paper, was to change the world. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, that's for like this guy just out of this local Seattle comedy show who gets a contract. Okay, let's do this show. And what's the first thing, you know, what do we want to do with it? Some people say, you know, last two years or whatever. Bill Nye's goal was to change the world and I would argue, and I have argued, that you did just that. Well, we'll see if the people who watch the show go on to, you know, uh, create fusion on the Earth, manageable fusion, new types of crops that are drought-tolerant, carbon removal yeah. from the atmosphere. You know, if we can do all that, you know, then we can take a meeting. So if you're listener or viewer out there, let's get this done, people. Of those who've listened to your show, how would you finish the rest of that sentence, you want to change the world by? What is your vision for how that happens? Uh, three things. The biggest idea is to raise the standard of living of women and girls. When you raise the standard of living of women and girls, everybody is happier and healthier. And then uh, to do that, I claim we need three things. Clean water for everybody in the world, renewable 
and reliable electricity for everybody in the world, and then access to the internet or whatever the young people call the internet in the coming decades. So let's call it electronic, global electronic information, because with global electronic information, you can provide education to everybody in the world. And now we're all living at a time where uh, satellites are going to provide the internet service to people all over the globe. Elon Musk in Ukraine, right? Yeah, yeah. The Mount St. Helens Institute, I'm still on the board. This is something else that happened while I lived in Seattle. Was Mount St. Helens exploded May 18th, 1980. The anniversary's mm -hmm. coming up. You got to stop blaming yourself for that, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get our internet at the new Coldwater Creek Visitor Center from outer space. Why do we spend money in space? Because it affects everyone in the world uh, for the better. Absolutely. Who are some of the people that are driving your vision best, would you say, Bill Nye, today? Uh, driving my vision? Yeah. Everybody who teaches science, you know, teaches science at all levels. And I'm, you know, the United States is still doing very well at the very high tier. People graduated from Massachusetts Institute of Technology or Caltech or Cornell, or uh, the, guy who won, <laughs> the guy who won the World Food Prize graduated from the University of Illinois. He's a, he's a state school graduate. We're doing very well at that high level, but the intermediate level, we're not doing so well. And it's because this old thing that we've done by accident, everybody, and that is we've tied school districts funding to property taxes. So richer school districts have better schools and the students do better. Poorer districts have worse schools and don't do as well. And while that would be common sense, and if you were a top-down autocrat who was not mean-spirited and weird, you could make that change. But if you are living the way we've lived in the U.S. for two centuries, you know, so while we are sitting here, you guys, I clearly the taxes? of the document that Bill referred to. Oh. Here's a copy uh -huh. of the rules of the road. Can you see the top? Change the oh, world. Oh, yeah. Objective. Yeah. Yeah. Change the world. And so this document. That is incredible. This document is so old. How old is it, Bill? So old. If you look at the revision dates, they all have the year in just two digits. Because back in the 1990s, no one thought the year 2000 was ever going to happen. It was like. Right. There's no such thing. That's so far future. That's like accepting an invitation to a party that's going to be five months from now. Well, I'm never going to have to go to that thing. That's not, that's never going to happen. <laughs> a copy of, on the original stationery, the original gray stationery is in the Smithsonian also. Of course it is. No, but that's guys, amazing. Let me just tell you, it is a heck of a thing. Go to the Smithsonian. There's an exhibit about with Mr. Rogers' sweater. Mr. Rogers' freaking sweater. And then my lab coat, like, whoa, whoa. That's got to be surreal. How does a science guy comedian end up with Mr. Rogers? That's the amazing thing of your journey, is it not? So we also benefited from the uh, bleeding heart, liberal, coastal elite, crazy idea of having children's television be educational instead of just as it yeah. was before just for selling toys <clears throat> it yeah. sold a lot of toys for a long time and hilarious thank you for your time today we appreciate it Thanks to Bill Stain, Bill Nye, and Mike Van Ryan for joining this week's episode. A special thanks to you, our weekly listener, for supporting the podcast by continuing to listen to the Driving Vision podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere this show is available. Until next week, how are you driving vision today? <laughs>